These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cinema A to B. Today, we're going to be talking about season three of The Mandalorian. So just out on Disney+. Plus. So, Ben, you just finished it. What'd you think? What a hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) So, where to begin? Visually, uh, beautiful show. Yeah. I don't have any gripes there. It's fantastic. They've kind of upped their game in a lot of ways um, versus seasons one, two, and then uh, Book of Boba Fett. Unfortunately, tonally, instead of a continuation of season two, we've decided to go full Book of Boba Fett mm-hmm. with the tone of the show, which I just don't particularly care for. Um, but then you get these glimpses of what season two kind of was because they're kind of trying to continue some of that narrative. But uh, yeah, what's up with wasting like what, six episodes? And then I get to the meat of kind of what I really wanted to watch in in episodes seven and eight. Yeah. That's kind of effectively what happened with my viewing experience. So I'm, I'm not happy. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I have one change, one change that if this change gets made could possibly, at least in my opinion, could possibly change the tone of the entire series. Like keep all the episodes the same, except kind of the changes one. So slight spoiler, if you haven't seen it, then um, turn this off now. But so what episode two or three, Mando bathes in the waters, right? And Mm -hmm. redeems himself, right? Which was his whole quest, right? Mm -hmm. Had they made it so he didn't bathe in episode three or two or whatever, I forget which one it was. Um, If if he didn't bathe in it, but like he kept getting stopped and then something happens and he has to be saved, but he never bathed. So then at the end, instead of the little kid being bathed, it's him being bathed and Mm. being kind of redeemed. Because then everything else still makes sense. Like it's, it's not so much about taking back Mandalore to take back Mandalore. It's taking back Mandalore so he can be redeemed to get back into the watch and become a, ch- a child of the watch again. Mm-hmm. Cause at, yeah. th- at that point, then a lot of these, you know, bow, you know, bowing to Bogotan or finding her, you know, getting her people on board, you know, trying to get the different clans back together to take it makes sense because it's an ends to a mean for him. Otherwise, it just feels like we're just and the the word I put it is aimless. This entire season felt um, aimless, um, and th- no payoff whatsoever. So no, no, there's not. There was one kind of cool reveal for me in episode. I think it was seven or eight, um, and I won't spoil that one. Um, and yeah. that was kind of neat. But yeah, the rest of it, I never felt like I really was rewarded no. for for watching. And the first two episodes, I could really tell things had had straight off course because there was no subtext in any of the dialogue. And all I'm getting is Mando literally narrating for me what they're going to do because for whatever reason, they felt like he had to constantly convey to Grogu what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it was utterly awful terrible it was it was just terrible it's terrible writing it's unnecessary i've got a whole theory on why this is and i'm just going to share it right now do it i think john favreau and kathleen kennedy really are feuding 
And I think this season is his middle finger to her yep. for, for the, for them forcing them to bring Grogu back. Yeah. Cause I've, I've read that that's true that what we got at season two, he was supposed to stay with Luke mm-hmm. and the executives went, Holy smokes. We can't let you do this. We're not going to sell enough Grogu toys if he's not featured prominently in season three. And so they forced him to bring him back. And this whole thing felt like maybe not Filoni, but it felt like Favreau was just going F you. This, mm-hmm. this is when I get, I'm going to give you kind of a half-assed season three. Cause that's what this felt like. And I know John Favreau is a good writer yeah, and a very talented director. And I kept seeing his name popping up on episodes as this credited writer. And I kept thinking to myself, there's no, there's no way he didn't just mail this in. Took his check and went home. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what it felt like because the writing was not up to par. Season one and season two, go back and watch it. People don't believe me. Go back and watch those seasons. The writing is vastly better. There's subtext throughout any dialogue. Grogu is inserted where he makes sense. Mm-hmm. And he's not just thrown in to be like, hey, let's make this cool. And the other thing, too, is like Mando didn't talk that much in the first, especially the first season. Like he only spoke when needed, like that kind of necessity and which made him that gave him that mystique, gave them a little bit more of kind of this power in the scene because you don't really know what he's thinking. Now the guy is chatterbox and it's like, shut up and you've lost everything. Also, what has happened? He was, I mean, not against animals. He's always been terrible against fighting animals and every single season, like animals just kick his butt. But he, but if it wasn't animals, he was dangerous, like really dangerous. And I feel as the seasons go, he's getting worse and not, better like as a fighter like you go back and watch like season one when he goes in and fights the stormtroopers or even when he goes in, in the first episode when he goes in and, and and gets grogu like he's dangerous you know and granted you know we've upped the ante but he's got to have gotten better and we've lost a lot of the fun things in his suit like the whistler missiles like where have those gone you know like i know they're expensive to make but like it's just we could be doing so much more to at least make it interesting if we're going to have this story, because it's, it's again, it's an aimless story. It's not interesting. It was ho-hum at best, and especially coming off of Andor. Like, like the dialogue has never been great in Mando, but it's def- this season no, three is definitely been the worst. Good. It's been good. Yeah. You know, it wasn't. Yeah, I agree. And that and Andor is the the 10,000 pound elephant in the room. Yeah. Or 100,000 pound elephant in the room. It. But that's not what I'm saying that Mandalorian should be at all. No, no, it, and, it's a different but it, tone. But I'm um, yeah, I I know what Mando season one and two was tonally, um, structurally. This this felt like. In fact, I I enjoyed Book of Boba Fett more than this season. I did, I did. It, and a lot of it was sort of the nostalgia of going back to Jabba's palace and stuff. I that kind of that played up the, that factor for me. And so I was like kind of geeking out a little bit, but tonally this thing is right in line with, with how book of Boba Fett felt kind of the hokey, some of the hokey stuff like in it, but then it bounces back and forth between you get these glimpses of, Oh yeah, that's what season two was like. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a lot of see a lot of episode eight was closer to what season two felt like. 
and the you know the action sequences and and the look and the feel of everything. I'm going to try not to just spend this entire episode banging on this season. But another thing I'll say is they've completely wasted uh, Giancarlo Esposito as an actor, as Moff Gideon. He's so one-dimensional. And you have you have an actor that's capable of giving you so much more nuance. I mean, this is the guy that played, played Gus Fring for crying out loud. Like, give him give him more reasons for doing what he's doing than what you're telling me. Because he's so one-dimensional. Almost a car, just a cartoon character villain, and maybe that's what they're going for. But it just seems like a waste of of talent. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna say something controversial. Um, I've never liked him in this role. I I think he is fantastic. Now, and it could be just his direction, just the dialogue he has. But I don't. I've never liked him, even from season one. Like he he's not scary to me at all and i just want him to go away like like he's like first, five six by the way i've i've like i've briefly met him he's a fantastic actor but yeah physically he's not imposing which is fine i don't need him to be physically imposing because that's not what he is you know like he like he's he's the leader or whatever and stuff like that he's i mean obviously he does go out and do some fighting but i need him like what the last episode when he goes on this long monologue in season one this is season one sorry and that long monologue i'm like i'm, t- I'm turned off i'm like come on just kill him already like <laughs> like what are we doing like this is boring and that's what he does he just monologues and expounds um and it's like this is not an interesting bad guy like i would much rather have um uh herner wars uh no that's uh, what's his name warner uh herzog. Got the, yeah herzog the the guy who's like bounty mm-hmm. hunting is a you know a difficult profession or whatever he was he was far scarier than moff gideon in my opinion like i thought he was a much better bad guy than moff gideon. Yeah. anyways so i'm hoping we're done with him like i just need let's get with this character needs to kind of go away and let's move forward you know but i don't see that happening at all they've done too many setups for things and yeah I, yeah, and as someone who's read a lot of the Legends books and holds the Timothy Zahn trilogy in high esteem as like my favorite series of books of all time, I'm getting really nervous about how this is heading because yeah. I yeah. like I don't feel like it's going to do justice. And another hot take: I've never been a huge Filoni fan. I I don't think he's bad, but. I don't share the love that everyone else has. I've, I've watched Rebels. I really liked Clone Wars is very hit or miss, but he likes to play fast and loose with canon, even his own canon that he makes up. Like, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm just nervous. Like, yeah, I, and I, he, yeah, his he kind of endeared himself because he he does serve as this encyclopedia of a lot of canon and expanded universe material like he just he he's consumed it all and he works for lucasfilm and yeah you know he's kind of been given the reins but i i don't know i i just know what he and favreau are capable of as collaborators based on the first two seasons of the show and that's not what they've given me since season two and i know i know book of boba fett wasn't i don't even think favreau was involved in that i don't even know filoni was I mean, they they were around, but they they don't show up a lot on the credits. Yeah. So, but they're sure responsible for season three. 
and they just didn't meet their own standards. And I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like I said, I think, I think Favreau might have kind of mailed this in based on his frustrations with effectively being told what to do with the direction of the show in order to sell more merchandise. And, but you work for the mouse. So that's, that's, what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and the other thing too, that the thing that has plagued the star Wars movies, especially the, the sequel trilogy was that it doesn't feel like they have a planned out story of like, or it seemed like they, you know, they kind of did for season you know, one and two. And then I, that's why I'm feeling, I agree with you that Kathleen Kennedy or the mouse decided to kind of be like, Nope, we need more Grogu because I feel like this was very uh, rushed, very trying to yeah. kind of piece other story beats that already had, but then add Grogu or lose some of these pieces. Right. Cause I think, I think this show gets stronger without Grogu. I think that was that two season arc like was great. It cheapens the uh, season two finale. Very much yeah. so, I think. Yeah. And the fact that it all happened in Boba, F- you know, for a lot of that stuff is Boba Fett, like ruins what could have been in this season too. I have the same kind of um, frustrations that I had with Giancarlo with Katie Sackhoff mm-hmm. because Bo-Katan feels one dimensional mm-hmm. and she's a much better actress than this role's really allowing her to flex. I mean, her, I've been watching her since Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And she's at- Excellent. She's tremendous. Yeah. She's, she's kind of been, unfortunately she's been pigeonholed a little bit into the sci-fi space, but she's embraced it and definitely brings her a game and anything she's in. But yeah, I have the same kind of complaint. There's just not enough, not enough nuance in this show. There's just not, it's, or what it, what it had, it's kind of lost. And, um, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not done with the show. Right. I'm not like, Oh, I'm not going to watch season four. No, you know, I'm not, I won't do that. I won't do that. It's, it's still entertainment and it still has, it has elements that I was like, Oh, that's, that's really neat. But it was really towards the very, very end of the season that I had those moments where I was like, well, that's, that's pretty spectacular actually. And yeah, it just felt like such a mismatch because I was getting really poor dialogue and average to below average story with visuals that were just constantly like knocking my socks off. And it was such a mismatch. It was like, man, this looks amazing. I mean, you have, you have Mandalorians flying up through those st- storm clouds and they gave you the, the camera angles that I love where you would have had like a camera on a fixed angle on his mm-hmm. jetpack, And you can see the water and stuff blowing by. He's doing, you know, a couple hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And it looks real. Like it doesn't even look CGI. It looks, it looks real. And th- those kind of level of visuals are throughout the show, but nothing else is at that level. So it's beautiful, but it's, it's kind of empty. It's not unlike some of the gripes we had with the prequel and sequel trilogies where the, the visuals were never really a huge problem, but the, but everything else was. And it's so the, I, I've had this discussion with a lot of people about talking about saying that I want better dialogue, like dialogue from Andor. And they're like, well, totally it's different. Like, no, no, you can have a different tone, but the actual, like you're talking, the nuance of the dialogue, what we're talking doesn't have to be just exposition or let me explain what I'm doing on screen right now. Andor doesn't do that, but we get a lot of that, especially in season three. We, st- we got some of it in the first two seasons. Why I say it's good, not great for the, the, the first two, but it's like, I want 
higher I, I want this high quality stuff like this could be so much better than it is um visually it's great musically i you know the score is fantastic as well like yeah. it, and, and even the sound design is great in this too it's like you have pieces that are fantastic and then you have this just this big pile of junk that could easily be better and i like you said i know john favreau can be better i mean this oh, is the yeah. guy who who did iron yeah. man this is the guy who did elf you know all this stuff like yeah he knows how to write dialogue. He knows how to direct. Well, and he knows, stuff. he knows story structure too, Yeah, you know? And that's why it feels so weird that this, the whole story of season three is so out of whack and aimless. It didn't even follow the hero's journey, which he's pretty consistent with in his movies and other projects. And it, he, it didn't even follow any of that. It was just shooting from the hip. And the the other problem I had was you never had a character. I didn't have a new character in here that was like a, a, a Timothy, Timothy elephant. Oh yeah. Like you didn't have, you didn't have a guest star that was like that cool and had that level of um, charisma. Mm -hmm. And like, there's nobody in this that kind of gives you that feel and it's, it needs it. And And they straight away from the whole Western thing too. Like it's it's not that anymore. Which it's fine. It needs to grow. I mean, but but that's kind of what this was supposed to be, you know. Um, if you're jumping ship, yeah. Season one was total western, and I loved every minute of it. And then they still peppered it in season two, and now it's like it's gone. Yeah. The and 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 the cameos. I wasn't actually. I know a lot of people were upset with like Lizzo and Jack Black. Like that didn't actually. I didn't. That didn't bother me Spoiler. at all. Like it was fine. So yeah. Sorry. I mean, but if you've been online at all, then yeah, you, yeah, you would have seen this. Um, the other character, the other cameo in that that episode, actually was the one that threw me the most when I was actually took me out of it. Mm-hmm. The yeah, you know, Jack yeah. and Lizzo was. I, I was like, this is we'll save, fine. we'll save that one. For yeah, its same, if you haven't watched spectacular it, spectacular level of terribleness. So it's just story beats, you know. Like, I, obviously, like the first episode with you know the stuff with uh and navarro with ig11 and things like that like that it was too long kind of way, way way too long and also didn't make a lot of sense like like i felt like that was just kind of thrown in there to make this connection kind of this semi fan servicey i mean i don't know is it too too soon to be fan servicey but like that didn't need to be there um and also i'm sorry carl weathers needs to go he is out of everybody, he is the, in my opinion, the worst actor on it. Like I hate every scene <laughs> oh, he's in. I'm just, come especially on. when like, especially when he's like out, the, like this se- oh, season. I'm just like, you're phoning in. I do too, but like, oh, he just doesn't fit. Like, well, like he, you know, they they've wasted him because they just leave him on Navarro. Yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't go. He should go with them. Like s- surely this character can fight. Yeah. I mean, he survived and this long. Surely this character can fight. And that's, I mean, I know Carl Weathers is really pretty old, but he still looks fantastic and he's clearly taking care of himself. So just have him, have him go with and kick some butt. Yeah. Cause then, then you get rid of a lot of your complaints, I think, as far as him just kind of, yeah. Like no one around just because yeah, of- it's, it doesn't work. It, it's yeah. And the other problem I had was too. All the scenes on Navarro and the Trekkies are going to hate me for this. All this, all the scenes on Navarro felt like an episode of like Star Trek, the next generation. Like it had that look 
where I could tell they were on like a really small set mm-hmm. and I could kind of see the edge of the world. Yeah. Like, and for anybody that doesn't know what the heck I'm talking about, watch, watch movies, watch good movies and great movies versus bad ones. You'll be able to see in a bad movie, like where, like the edge of the screen, you know, for a fact, your brain knows that the, on the other side of the edges of the screen is production crew and cameras and mm-hmm. equipment or how feel and, how deep it goes, you know? Yeah. But in a great, in a great film, your brain thinks that if the cameraman just decided to whip to his right, it would be more of the world. Mm. And most of the time in Mandalorian, you can't feel the edges of the world. Like it feels very expansive, but for whatever reason they go to Navarro, like the rebuilt Navarro, it just, they're shooting in the same spaces of the set. Like you could tell the set wasn't that big and it just, it did. It felt, it felt like star Trek and I like star Trek, but always had court of sort of a canned feel because the budget was so much lower. And that was kind yeah. of a complaint of mine was, was there a couple, there were a couple of places they go that felt that way. Um, and so I'm going to, and because it's bound to happen, another Andor stuff, unfortunately comparison, <laughs> but like, like, I, like look at Navarro. I think this is what, what's that? Uh, the, not the void. What is it called? It's an expansive OLED surround yeah. stage. I, I don't, so, a bunch of different companies make them now. I, yeah. So anyways, I, I think it's great. I think it's revolutionary, but it does happen to give a lot of that kind of, you can see the edge of the world kind of a thing. Cause it does push everything in. Cause, cause I'm thinking I about out this. why, by the way, why is that? It's the floor. So the floor is always seems to always be too level. Hmm. They don't, they don't ever seem to give me a really uneven ground normal like what? like on man on mandalore it's that like glassy kind of you know but it's perfectly flat hmm. they have other stuff around them but it's like it's literally perfectly flat and they're in they're supposed to be in like a cave system and the ground is perfectly flat hmm. because they've not altered the stage and it yeah. gives it to me it gives it a way that they're shooting on a stage um a lot of a lot of movies and TV make that mistake. It's because it's expensive to build an uneven mm-hmm. flooring, and then you can't move a camera dolly around on it because it's, you know. But but if they did that, it w- it would look real. So the other thing I can kind of in, in my head that I was thinking that's a good point, and I really I really liked. It. I didn't think about that, but now I'm going to see it all the time. So thank you. You are yeah, especially on Mandalore. Yeah, but. Like, think about the scene when an Andor. I know we're going to compare it to Andor. I'm sorry, everybody, but an Andor when he's on the planet, you know, on his vacation or whatever, like packed with people. Still, like people everywhere, much kind of like the Pact of Navarro, but you don't have that same feeling at all. Um, and I don't know what it is, but I feel like the makeup for the aliens is so much better in Andor as well, comparatively to. Like, I feel like that's where they save some money. Um, uh, and and it, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's also not great. Like, it's like definitely has never been in, in any of the seasons, like really made me go, oh, wow, this really feels like stuff from the movies. It feels like, oh, this is a lower budget aliens from the movies, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I do. Um, I do give appreciation for Mandalorian for using a lot of physical 
um, puppets though mm-hmm. yeah. for characters for aliens. Like, um, and I could tell that they're, at least to my eye, it looks like they make Grogu a puppet as much as they possibly can. And I give them all the credit in the world for doing that. I, even if it doesn't look perfect, it's to, to my eye, it still feels more like star Wars. Yeah. When you, when you do a puppet and then it maybe maybe you do a little CG manipulation later to the puppet, but, and then you get it. I think you get a better performance from actors too, because they actually are physically holding this thing. Yeah. But yeah, that, but then it leads me into a complaint of the fact that they just, everybody just passes him around. Like he's a Louis Vuitton bag or something. <laughs> I, like He's lost all meaning. It's of just, like, yeah. 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 Well, it's almost, it's almost like they made, the character of Grogu too young to start the show. And then he ages so slowly that it's just like, he, this is how he always is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of bored with that. Well, and I, I also don't want to see him through his like teenage years, you know, like, like we have that with Groot in the Marvel universe. And I'm like, it was funny for that. The first like guardians of the galaxy two like mid credit scene. That was hilarious. Right. But now I'm like, it's the same shtick. Like, let's get past this, but you know, they're going to do something like that. Like, like the teenage years, the moody teenager kind of a thing. And I'm like, no, I just, let's just go. Be done. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. And he starts, and he starts to talk and talk, talking like a Yoda voice or you know, something like that. He's going to lose a lot of his cuteness. Like we're all going to be like, okay. And we're over him being this cute, cuddly little thing. Like he loses some of that marketability when he does transition into being a fully fledged kind of adult or teenager. So have you read anything to indicate how many seasons they're intending of Mandalorian? No, I think we're there. So what I've read is that they're going to probably do one more season, uh, season of Mandalore. They're doing Ahsoka. They're doing um, something else. I forget uh, what, what it's called, but I think that now they've just announced that Filoni is directing a movie and writing and directing a movie to kind of cap this whole series things, which also makes me go, is that why some of the changes happen? Because this is the first time we're hearing of this is some of those changes of like Kathleen coming in and telling Favreau that we got to do this because Filoni or someone has an idea of this is what I want my movie to be. And so now we got to kind of shoehorn everything in, which Hmm. um, obviously Favreau doesn't like that. I mean, that's one of the reasons why he walked away from the Iron Man series because he was so frustrated with, you know, Marvel telling him what he couldn't, couldn't do in Mm -hmm. his Iron yeah. Man movies. And so he, he was may like, have to do that up. with this too. Yeah. Which is so sad because the first season of Mandalorian is great. And especially coming off of like rise of Skywalker, it was a breath of fresh air, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, it really was. I, they, yeah, I just, I hate to see somebody that I know is supremely talented, especially on the writing directing end. And, and I, I just know for a fact, cause we both know how this town works. He's getting out. He's basically getting voted down. Yeah, on some <clears throat> really key con- uh, creative decision making. He may leave. A couple other people may leave. I think Pedro's going to do it as long as possible because now he can just basically phone it in. Like, I mean, if he's going to keep his helmet on for the he entire series, has, he barely even has to wear the suit. Yeah, like, like he's well, not. Is he might be in the suit like twenty five percent of the time now? Yeah, he has other people. And the so rest is just like, him in a voice in a voiceover booth. It's yep. the greatest gig ever. Yeah. You're in Star Wars, yeah. but I mean, he's basically James Earl Jones. 
you know, of the Mandalorian, you know, like he doesn't have to be in the suit, yeah. but he gets all the credit, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I just, I wonder if, I wonder if Katie's like, how often are they making her wear, wear the suit as Bo-Katan? Yeah. Cause it looks like her when she's walking around, like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there's a stunt double that has mimicked her walk, but she has a very distinctive way of kind of moving around. Mm-hmm. So one thing, one thing I noticed and I don't know why, but I kind of dislike this. Is that like any chance she gets, she takes that helmet off. Like in the worst moments, like when she goes to, to goes to Mandalore for the first time to get, you know, the man the Mandalorian or whatever. Like she walks into the cave that she knows like he's missing, and she just like looks around and just goes pop takes the helmet off and just kind of stands there with it. I'm just like, you don't know what's happening. Like, uh, like first off, you thought this, this world was poisoned, you know, and you're just going to, um, I had so many problems and questions. So I got two points. One, I'm going to go back to kind of the same thing uh, that I, I said before um, with, you know, in Andor and stuff like that, but talked about kind of fan service and those kind of things. It's like they missed a couple of cool moments to recanonize something or to, you know, reintroduce it or make that kind of fan service. Like the, so for example, the pirate ship, the Corsair or whatever looked cool, brand spanking new for this show. It hasn't appeared anywhere else to the best of my knowledge that I can find, but it doesn't, I feel like this is perfectly new, right? That would have been the perfect time to bring out the wealth of ships that we have from books, role-playing games, video games, the other movies, and just kind of do like, again, one of those low-key, subtle fan service things where it's just like, if you know, you know, but we're not beating you over the head with it, mm-hmm. it would have been so much cooler, right? Um, again, I, you know, that's kind of how fan service should be. It's like, it, it doesn't call attention to itself, but if you know, you know, you pick up on it. And this show did have some of those things, but it was mostly all like Filoni kind of like his, his own callbacks to his own stuff. Right. Mm. Um, so, yeah. which is it's fine. A, you know, it's his baby. It's his baby. But uh, the other thing too, is that like they really need, I, th- I really feel like they need to pull some of that expanded universe stories, rework them so that they're better and start, you know, making those like much like Marvel does with his comics. It's like you get the different storylines. Like Civil War was a whole huge storyline, right? That they adapted for the movies. It's very different in the movies than it was in the comic books. But I like that's what we should be doing is pulling from this wealth of knowledge that we have. We reworking it now that they're all kind of no longer canon and put them up. I'm excited for where Mandalorian is going. I am excited for the other shows that are coming out. I mean, still Star Wars. It's still better than the, the sequel trilogy. I am excited that we're still getting more Star Wars. So very yeah. happy. I'm just yeah. I the current leadership at Lucasfilm. I don't d- doesn't have I, I don't have any faith in at the moment. And, and no, I mean I know they're trying to do this when they announced the movie lineup because I did want to address that. I was in, I was slightly encouraged because I felt like they had kind of learned some lessons that the idea of a one size fits all Star Wars is no longer possible. The fan base is too broad in age to do that. And so when they announced the three films, I was like, and then I saw the directors attached to each one. I was like, okay, that, that makes sense. You have the, you have the really, really, you go back thousands of years film that 
tonally, I think feels like it's built for you and me and mm-hmm. older, basically, you know, 35 to 40 plus. I always viewed the Mandalorian as that kind of broader would draw me, would draw you, would draw people in their twenties that grew up with the prequels that view the prequels in a much better light than I do because they were kids when they saw them. They watched the clone war series. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have the sequel, you have the sequel trilogy crowd. And so they've decided to bring Ray back and I can complain all I want about that, but those movies made money. They didn't make quite as much money as Lucasfilm had intended or Disney especially was wanting, but they still, they still made a boatload of money. So when they announced that I was like, well, that makes sense. Plus Daisy Ridley is available. Yep. You know, she's her career. Unfortunately is not, you know, evolved for her to, to do a bunch of other stuff. She's, you know, I wouldn't say she's blackballed, but she just hasn't been able to, to land anything outside of this. So she's available. So I was like, okay, they've learned that the star Wars fan base is fragmented. My hope was that, you know, this third season of Mandalorian would continue to have that broad appeal for people that are, you know, 45 or 50 along with a little bit younger crowd, but they've, they seem to have just skewed so much younger. Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like. It just, it feels like it's made for the prequel crowd again. And they're, they're just like, Ben, you can, you just keep your Andor to yourself and, you know, enjoy that. And I was like, that, that doesn't make sense. You had a, there was a, there's a recipe here for making probably the, the segment of star Wars. That's the widest. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what Mando one and two first two seasons felt like it was appealing to. And the, the audience response matched that it, people yeah. were just like, this is fantastic. Cause it did have a little bit of camp because star Wars has a little bit of camp, you know, but I just think they've swung that pendulum too far and maybe they can, maybe they can bring it back a little bit for, for season four. I'm not asking for a version of Andor with Mandalorian. That's not what I want. Um, it, it probably wouldn't work. It would feel too self-serious. No, but cause I mean, it just the era that it's in post, you know, post empire, new Republic, like, yeah, it doesn't need to be that dark. No, but I think you can still go dark, but I, that's not what Mandalorian is. Mandalorian is that, like you said, that Western, that adventure mm-hmm. of the week kind of a thing, which is great, which is like, again, I don't need all this stuff. I, like, I also want a Donald Glover and Alden solo Lando, like where they meet up and they just do heists. Like, I want Ocean's Eleven. Like, do an Ocean's Eleven with those two guys, you know, like for as a you show heard it here movie. For, you heard it yes. here first, folks. Alec and I are actually fans of Solo. Oh, I like that movie. It's the it, 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 out of the Disney uh, Star Wars films. It's my second favorite. Rogue One behind is, Rogue One, yeah, yeah. I just Solo. always wonder what what would we have gotten before they fired those directors on mm-hmm. Solo because it's supposed to be a way funnier movie. Yeah, and I'm I was probably going to be here for it. I was looking forward to that, and but apparently it was so far off the rails that they just said no. But no, this is in discussion of Solo. But yeah, I. I, I liked solo. I thought the tone was right. You know, God bless Ron Howard for coming in and, and delivering something that was really pretty good. Yeah. But I mean, give me that heist show. Give me a show on rogue squadron post return of the Jedi or whatever, and how they're dealing with, you know, 
being still part of the military Which, and doing some what demilitarization. Because wasn't I, Jenkins, wasn't Patty Jenkins like a, was, is that who was set up to do um, Rogue I Squadron? I believe so. Or was she doing the Rangers one with uh, Gina, uh, whatever her name is, the one who I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to Google it right now, but. Yeah, that's fine. Um, um, yeah, Rogue Squadron was supposed to be a thing and for whatever reason, they, it's, they got cold like, feet once fan backlash for whatever, you know. But, Happened. Give me different tone stories. Like, give give me the dark Andor. Give me the funny heist, you know, solo Lando mm-hmm. show. Give me yeah. this kind of let's talk about politics and after a, in a post empire world of how we're trying to get things together or run down these warlords and things of that sort. So, I don't know. I think there's so much wealth, and for those people who say Star Wars is just for kids, like obviously we've all grown up with it. We were kids when we first watched them, but we're still we still love these, still love the movies. We can do different stuff and still call it Star Wars. Yeah. So anyways, that's my diatribe. Any uh, any parting thoughts on Mando? I'm excited for what to see what's next. It was, I watched it. It was very flawed. But it was, there was fun moments. There's good moments, but it definitely wasn't one and two. Yeah, I'm with you. Fortunately, good a couple good episodes of a season four pretty much for me erases memories of you know a flawed season three. I don't tend to hold grudges with this stuff. So if you know, give me give me a good first three episodes of season four and all's forgiven. Cause I don't have to go back and watch season three. <laughs> yeah. Nobody nobody's forcing Ben, you've got it, you gotta sit down and watch that again. Nope, don't have nope. to. And I won't. So, well, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. For the Mandalorian season three. Appreciate yeah. everybody watching on YouTube, listening to the audio only podcast. This is a lot of fun for us. And so if you have different thoughts, if you thought Mandalorian season three was the best, then you're wrong. But, you know, let us know. <laughs> <You're wrong. laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks, everybody.